From the studio to Teeing It Up in the Sons of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for a Monday, June 26th, the year 2017. 75 degrees, sunny skies. Welcome back our friend, the voice of the Daytona Tortugas. Stetson football and men's basketball. And a longtime colleague of Teeing It Up, it is Mr. Luke Morrow. I'm I'm genuinely curious about this. This is not just me being me, but I'm I'm genuinely curious about you. Have you seen the ending to yesterday's PGA Tour event? Yeah, I did actually. Okay, I was curious about how big Jordan Spieth's whole bunker shot would proliferate through the sports world amongst non-golf fans. Pretty big. Uh, I saw it on I think ESPN last night before bed, um, and then you know heard of course talk about it on. Uh, Boomer and Carton this morning, but um, for me, especially, it was cool to see because, you know, it occurred in Connecticut at the golf tournament that I would go to each year growing up, and I never thought it was anything too special or, or anything too popular or on the largest of um, stages, so to, to hear everyone talk about Cromwell, Connecticut, and what used to be the GHL was pretty cool. This event was dead 10 years ago. got saved by travelers, and now it's... Uh, um become this huge thing it's crazy yeah well I'm, I'm happy to hear it and uh obviously you know having seat there was a good guess and uh from what i hear they don't watch any of it or even follow it but they had a pretty good <laughs> thank you uh, of golfers this year so well they got helped by a rule change um how, how can i equate this it is as if you signed up for a program that stated that instead of going to the same restaurant you go to, you have to go to one other restaurant that you have not been to in the last five years, mm-hmm. um, which was trying to spread guys around. There were There's three exemptions. If you're a lifetime member of the PGA Tour, which means you have 20 wins, there's only three guys currently who qualify under that, Phil Mickelson, Tiger, and uh, Davis Love the third. If you're 45 and older, you don't qualify for, uh, 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 sorry, if you're 45 and over, you're exempt, because those people are trying to pare back their schedules, um, and then uh, the next group is if you play 25 or more events of on the year, and the ironic thing about Jordan Spieth, Luke, is that this never, A, he never shows up if it's, for, if it's not for the rule, and B, he decided after the great 2015 season which obviously you know about he won the masters in the u.s open right Uh um he chose to cash in on some paydays and go overseas to start the 2016 season he went to singapore and he went somewhere in the middle east and it exhausted him he didn't play well he didn't get enough time off and it caught up to him by the end of last season and he pledged to himself that he would never do this again and instead he played two events in hawaii um, and, and, and added something else, and the, he complained to the tour, saying, I don't want to have to do this, because I'm going to be over 25 events every year on the PGA Tour for the rest of my career, because I'm not going to be doing this Middle Eastern swing anymore. And the PGA Tour said no. <laughs> as a result, he adds Hartford. As a result, he wins the golf tournament. There you go. So things happen when you come to Connecticut. I feel bad, honestly, for the tour players because he has now validated this rule change. 
Um, yeah. And and the punishment for it is, I think you got the PGA Tour is a weird pension program involving when your earnings go into your retirement, and I I, I think you got like one month's worth or or six months worth of that stuff withheld. The it's a weird way of fining you, but I think that's how they went about it. Um, it was kind of weird. And uh, lo and behold, um, he chooses not to take the penalty. He goes and wins the golf tournament. Okay. It is, it's pretty crazy how all that uh, worked out. Okay, uh, that now moves us on to other things that Luke was doing yesterday. How are the Tortugas? Well, the second half of the season just started this past week, um, as we discussed on, on past shows, the two halves to the FSL season um, down here at the advanced day level. For the Tortugas, uh, currently a game below 500 for the full season. We just missed out on the playoffs in the first half. And we started off the second half with a 1-3 and three record, so um, just broke a six-game losing streak yesterday and now trying to turn it around and get things going here in the second half. But second half usually bring a lot of changes to rosters, so, so it's like a whole new team now, not only for us, but a lot of other teams. So there's always a, a little bit of a, a period here where, where the team kind of has to gel and figure themselves out again. Uh, it's, I still find this very weird. Um, but did the first half of the program end nicely? Or first half of the season end nicely? Uh, it ended on a three-game losing streak. Um, the, uh, the Tartugas were within striking distance. At a certain point, they were within about the final week or two. They controlled their own destiny. Uh, the biggest, biggest issue was just the weather. They got rained out three consecutive days. Ooh. And that just hurt them. And while the Tortugas weren't flying, the teams they were competing with were winning. And then they don't uh, end up you know, falling behind and having fewer games to be able to make up that ground. Uh, then they lost their final three games anyway. They still controlled their own destiny heading into the final series of the first half. Uh, but then at that point, just didn't pull off enough wins. And now it's on to, to have a win the second half. So we've gone through this back and forth. I'm going to ask you the same question again. Do you believe that this is uh, disappointments and they can now turn the page and get past it or are they still frustrated people? I think they put it past them pretty quickly. Um, I think for a lot of teams, you know, that's the case. You start over, you turn the page as soon as the second half starts. And, uh, and I think it's especially interesting for um, the teams that were eliminated for a while. And you know, I heard from a manager from a team that finished in last place that they were treating those in the last week like spring training to get ready for the second half of the season. So they were just wanted to go out there, play loose, uh, get everybody some work, be a little more aggressive, and try to head into the second half on a positive note. So in the Tortugas case, having been in the playoff race and not getting into the postseason, and I think they were, they were able to turn the pace. And then, as mentioned, the changes to the roster, uh, they added five new guys um, this past week. And so I think that helps where those guys weren't here for the first half, so they bring in some new energy. They didn't exactly know what the team went through. And the players that, that didn't stick around, you know, it almost feels kind of like a new team with, with the new additions. And so it's like a new season where you put the other one behind you. Here enough to go because they still have a chance to make the playoffs and make a run for the championship. Um, has the Tebow craze spread across Florida yet? 
Oh, absolutely. And it's unfortunate, you know, because he was promoted to our league uh, yesterday. But uh, St. Lucie, uh, the best affiliate in the FSL, they were just in Daytona this past week, Monday through Wednesday. So we missed Tebow by exactly a week. Ooh. Otherwise, uh, he was promoted this time last week. He'd be debuting in Daytona. So, um, when do you next play them? Well, we play him at their place in about two or three weeks, so we'll get to see him there. But uh, St. Lucie does not come back to Daytona this year. They've already made their two trips, but they're not in our Ooh. position. It's uh, like interleague play, essentially. So um, so we'll miss Tebow, unfortunately, in Daytona this year. Uh, but we will get to play against him on the road in a couple weeks. If you get to interview Tim Tebow, what, what would you say to him? Because he, he's a fascinating guy who, if you take away... The religious element, take away the the Kenny throw element, take away all the athletic elements. Is doing wonderful things for kids who need wonderful things. He's polarizing. He's fascinating. He's a wonderful guy who just happens to be, in some people's eyes, um, playing minor league baseball because of the name and because of who he is. Um, it's a fascinating story. What would you ask him if you get a chance to talk to him? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's a, a, a lot to talk about. Uh, I have no idea what my, my opening question would even be. I guess just how things have been, been going in this transition to baseball. You know, I'll say, obviously, there's a lot of uh, people who are anti-Tebow, the baseball player, and this whole baseball career, and obviously the Mets doing it. And, and that's uh, kind of the backstory to this whole promotion where the Mets don't own the Columbia affiliate, but they own St. Lucie, so now they'll actually make money off of having Tebow um, in their farm system for the first time. And then believe that, you know, that, that's the point for the reason for the promotion. But um, I'll say, you know, he was in 222 with Columbia. That's not that impressive for a professional baseball player, but for a guy who has played baseball since high school and was a, a professional uh, football player, I mean, you cannot take anybody off the street throw them into a roster in minor league baseball at any of the levels and expect them to hit 222. So to compare it to, to other guys who were drafted or been playing the game, maybe people who may be more deserving, sure, maybe they could play better than people, but to consider his situation and his story and how he just kind of picked baseball up again after the years, uh, I think the 222 average is even impressive. So I hope I have the opportunity to meet him and, and chat him up a little bit in St. Lucie. Uh, I look forward to, to just being employed. Um, is, is it good for... Because I think a lot of us who don't have a minor league team near us or don't have a history going to minor league games can, can, can be detached for this. How much of a difference can somebody like his presence make? Is it, is it a huge deal? Is this good for the game of baseball to have a, a situation like this? It's very minor league-ish. I think it's actually made a huge impact. I know Columbia's attendance uh, was up on average of 1,500 fans per game uh, compared to last year. They're averaging over 5,000 fans a game. Uh, we'll see what it's like here in Florida. I expect it to be also off the charts, both for when he's at home and even on the road, just because, I mean, this is a country. They love them down here. So, well, you know, we were hoping to be able to, to cash in on that opportunity a bit and have them at the... Uh, at the Jack here in Daytona. I think if he were to come to Daytona, uh, I would not be surprised one bit if we sold out, you know, every game just because of uh, the hysteria for Tintibo around here. So I think it's a huge impact um, in terms of attendance and just money bringing, being brought in for these teams, especially the teams that he's playing for. And again, it goes back to why a lot of people believe the Mets signed him in the first place, kind of a, a 
publicity stunt and to get him to an affiliate like St. Lucie where now the New York Mets can actually profit off of him being one of their minor leaguers by um, improving ticket sales. So I think I think we'll see a jump for everybody in the Florida State League now, depending on uh, the schedule where Tebow plays. Hmm. Interesting. Um, talking to our, our friend and colleague Luke Morrow, obviously. Um, has has Aaron Judge Mania made it to Florida yet? Um, indirectly. You know, when he was down here for spring training, I've yeah. come, come across people who uh, were talking about either seeing him or even just meeting him over at Steinbrenner Field. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I obviously see what he's doing and, and what's going on, and, and it's incredibly impressive, but um, to the people down here, maybe he's a little bit out of focus. It's interesting because, um, you know, he's obviously, uh, you know, lit up baseball and these long home runs, and this has been a season of long home runs. You're a baseball fan. You're a Red Sox fan. You're missing the guy who hit the long home runs for you guys in Big Poppy. Um, what's your take on, on this power explosion we're seeing? It's, yeah, it's very odd. You know, I heard um, over the weekend on the Yankees broadcast they were talking about something along the lines of uh, Seems being tighter on the yeah. all these days. Yeah, uh, I have no idea if that's it, but but there's something going on because we're on pace to have more homers this year than any other season, even more than the steroids era, and we're on, on pace to beat out the next closest year by almost 300 home runs for the entire league. I mean, that's a lot. So when you have guys like Judge and Bellinger, um, who are essentially rookies in the league, both hitting almost 30 home runs to this point through the first two months. Now, I, I have no idea what's going on. We've been kind of heading towards this direction where uh, strikeouts are more acceptable in exchange for home runs. Strikeouts are also at an all-time high for hitters striking out. Same goes for home runs. So we've kind of been molding uh, not only teams but players where strikeouts aren't as bad as they used to be and home runs are more important than ever. Um, so I guess we've been heading in this direction, but I never saw it, saw it take off. I never expected it to take off quite like this where we're setting with good numbers, and I have no explanation for it. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, they're even, even to the point where at Coors Field, obviously, over the last couple of years, they've been trying to cut back on the, the elements there with um, uh, trying to cut down the, the humidity to, to help out limit, limiting home runs at Coors Field because of how bad it got. So we're even trying, trying to do things to... Uh, back on the home runs, and yet here we are in a sort of season. So I wish I had a reason why. Well, uh, well, well, that leads to two logical questions. Number one, are you seeing a home run and power explosion at the minor league level? It's interesting in this league because uh, this is one of the more pitcher-friendly leagues because we play 10 of, well, I guess you could say really 11 of 12. We're the only ballpark that is not either a current or a former spring training home. So these Stadiums are all designed for big league players, you know, like a David Ortiz, like an Aaron Judge, um, a Bautista, and Fernando, you know, those types of guys. So when you have, you know, 20 year olds coming to these ballparks with spacious outfields, maybe they're not at the point yet where, where they can regularly hit home runs. Uh, I will say, and it helps that we play half of our games where we do. Uh, I guess we're kind of like the Coors Field of uh, the Florida State League, but we had the home run leader. On our team, just kept promoted. He had 15 home runs at the midseason point. Last year, the league leader, I think, was 24. So 
Um, for a few guys in the league, yeah, we're, we're above schedule. I would like to compare it to last year to see if the league as a whole, if we've had more homers this year than last. But, but overall, it hasn't been something that has stood out to me thinking, man, we've had a lot more homers here in the Florida State League this year than last year. Um, I don't know if that's been the case down here yet. Uh, you obviously come in contact with baseballs every day. I'm sure you, you know, throw a couple around uh, maybe with your colleagues during BP or obviously there's a foul ball or two that's probably gotten to you in the booth. Do they do, do those minor league balls feel like the seams are wound tighter? I have never noticed a difference with <laughs> baseball since uh, I was a little kid playing Little League to now. So I have no idea. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Okay. I tried, Luke. I tried, you know. <laughs> I am an investigative journalist in my sleep, so I tried. I know. You, you almost cracked the cake. Um, I'm talking to Luke Morrow here. Speaking of Big Poppy, his number one was retired this weekend. They roasted him, except uh, Gronk got too vulgar and Nesson couldn't air it, apparently. Uh, a, 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 did you cry? And B, what did you think? <laughs> I did not cry. I thought the, the ceremony was well done. I only saw bits and pieces in the highlights um, afterwards. You didn't DVR it, Luke? No, I did not. Although I, I guess they do have that capability with MLB TV, all the games are archived, so I, yes. I can still go back and watch it. Um, but you know, I've never been that that big into the retirement um, ceremonies like that. So, but uh, yeah, you know, the Renaissance, you're going into a trend, and I guess it's just because of the era and the guys that we we've had in Boston of late. But you know, they're retiring a lot more numbers now than they ever have. We're starting to creep a little towards Yankee territory, and, and we don't want that. We want to back off so that we could. Um, have some numbers left, and we'll have it be be an honor to have your number retired by the team. But uh, Ortiz was certainly deserving. It was good to see, and this is a big year because we have David Ortiz this past weekend for the Red Sox, and on Week One Monday Night Football, Randy Moss will be having his number retired for the Vikings. So uh, for for number retiring, this is a big couple of months stretch here. Well, um, the other part of this, um, I mean, well, well, first before we get to the team. Um, with the numbers being retired, who else is going to get their number retired? Pedroia, but that's probably it. Am I leaving anybody out? Um, I don't think so. I don't know if I'd even, I guess I'd say Pedroia, but I mean, you have guys like Baratek or Tim Wakefield, if you really want to get into it. I don't know if you should retire either of those numbers. I mean, see, the Yankees ended up in this boat because the Yankees with the core four had to do something for you know, someone like Bernie had to do something for someone like Tino. There were guys who they started to have to do stuff for because it would just be blatant because the core four is, is like this mystical thing, right? But there were other really important contributors to the Yankee run and it made them have to do something for those guys. And, and it just, it felt weird. I have to admit, even as a Yankee fan, it just felt weird. <laughs> Yeah, I would say so. I think they're up to, uh, what, almost 25 retired numbers, obviously. It's ridiculous. I, I believe there's no more single-digit numbers available. Um, right. And Aaron Judge's number will be retired, so 99 won't be available. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think anybody wants to wear that anyways. We had a guy wearing number 99 last year, uh, a player from the Dominican Republic who, you know, wasn't familiar maybe with the background of baseball or hockey or jersey numbers. So if he started out as number 99... <laughs> And uh, his teammates, I guess, didn't really like it. And they told him that that's a hockey number. Baseball <laughs> players shouldn't wear it. So he actually changed his number about a month into the season last year. <laughs> oh, that's just what you guys in the uh, media relations department wanted to hear. <laughs> 
uh, sorry, for those out there, uh, what the media relations people have to do then is reprint programs, reprint scorecards, change everything on the scoreboard. Uh, Number changes in season is a really annoying process for anybody in the media relations department, right, Luke? Yeah, unfortunately, we don't get many of those. Only when obviously only get new players and everything, but that's to be expected. They need numbers. Uh, the biggest pain is when the players change their walk-up songs almost weekly, and we're responsible for that as well. Whoa, whoa, wait, that would seem simple. You just insert a new song in the playlist. Well, yeah, but it's just a tedious process. We got a lot of other stuff going on, and to you know, I download the song. Fortunately, I don't have to deal with the actual downloading and everything. I'm just the liaison to get the new songs and get them to our music director and then he has to worry about it but uh, I always have to deal with the complaining from, from the music director downloading your music um, let me figure out a, a, a very vulgar song here um, like are you the guy that has to like you know t- take a Kendrick Lamar song and, and, and make sure that you get the clean version fortunately not um, at one time I was more involved with that but, but now it's all handled by our, our music guy has to do it um, just try to find clean songs and be able to hold vinyl off like things. The worst case scenario, if you can't find any option, just throw it into Audacity and, and reverse the swear words to make it sound like uh, uh, mumbling or whatever. And uh, you can roll with that. Okay. There's a tip out there for any of you who may be uh, resident, um, uh, what call it? Resident uh, uh, media relations folks out there. The Yankees have struggled. They've now lost 10 of 12. Uh, your Red Sox looking a little pretty there on the top of the the, the, the uh, division. It's about time. A little bit of aggression to the mean, I think, for the Yankees. I mean, yeah. through that stretch where they scored something like uh, average, you know, kind of runs a game over a two-week stretch, and then since then they've cooled off a bit. Um, I was surprised by the Yankees' start. I mean, you know, they got off to a slow start, then they won, what was it, 18 of 21, something like that. And since then, they've been below 500 over their last, you know, I think 40 games now. So outside of a three-week stretch, they've actually been a pretty bad team this year. So I don't know which which Yankees is for real. But that AL East has really tightened up. All five teams are within about five games. And all of them striking distance. The Orioles have been a bigger disappointment than I was expecting. The Rays have been a lot better than I was expecting. The Blue Jays have been a disappointment, but still have the talent to make a, a late season run. So, you know, the Red Sox were able to, to claw back their a percentage point out of first place, but right where you want to be with plenty of time left. And it does history yesterday. Hopefully that, that helps. But uh, just like the Yankees, and especially when that, these teams dealing with a lot of injuries. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see how that plays into it. You're around, guys. I, I've been meaning to ask you this for years, um, and I've never asked you this. You're around, guys. Um, and obviously... We'll keep names out of it um, for, uh, uh, for obvious reasons, but you're around these guys in in public, in private, behind the scenes, on the road, in in person. There's a lot of people who say off season routines are broken. That players are not doing enough in the off season. They're pushing themselves too hard. They're they're doing bad things in the gym. They're doing this, that, and the other. As somebody who in season gets to see these guys really intimately. Um, over a, a, a long course of time. What's your take on injuries and training regimens? That is a good question. Um, I can tell you that, you know, even at this level, there, there's a strict regimen. They have something to be doing every day, whether that's lifting weights or some sort of um, cardio or uh, aerobic exercise, whatever it may be. They're doing something just about daily. 
before playing the games and everything in the off season. Um, the off season starts very early for, for baseball, and uh, even for the guys who spend the off season on their own before heading out to Arizona, you know they're all gym rats. They have personal trainers at home. They have their routines, their schedules they follow. So, I mean, these guys are doing something year round in terms of working out, trying to stay sharp, and just trying to keep their body in shape. Um, I know that's kind of the old school. Uh, belief and approach because you know back in the day they didn't work out as best like they do now. Some guys never lifted at all, still were able to hit 30 home runs and play the game just fine. So uh, I don't know enough about the body or um, that type of stuff to comment on whether players are too tight these days and if that leads to more injuries or what it may be. But I can certainly say that, especially at this level and throughout baseball, I mean, these guys are, are hitting chip hard daily and are certainly working out. And working as hard as just about any athlete can, and a lot more than the baseball players used to become a, a real thing in all sports about the body shape and, and muscle and uh, percentage of body fat and almost how you, how you look compared to uh, the performance on the field. And that comes from the top. So it's a big part of the game. It leads to more injuries. I have no idea, but uh, it certainly is a larger part than it ever, ever has been. Um, there's a, a, a next level connection with that, a, a, a second part of this, which is basically that you see guys in all kinds of emotional states after breakups, um, you know, family member ill, new baby born, um, you know, the world collapsing, um, you know, pure ecstasy after they've been called up. Whatever. I mean, you've seen the range of emotions in these guys, and a lot of people take that out in the gym. Do you think, and yet they've got these schedules, and maybe they need a mental health day just to check themselves out and just, you know, sit by the pool for a day and just totally relax. Do you think that players have enough time to deal with the emotional strains of life in the midst of a baseball season? Yeah, I think so. I think baseball actually provides... uh a getaway for them for whatever they have going on in their personal lives, especially when you're within the lines playing a game each and every night. But I think even just when you get to the ballpark and you're hanging out with the guys at the team, whenever you hear from former athletes, you know, that's what they always say, they miss the dogs, being in the clubhouse, being in the room just with their teammates. So, yeah, it seems to be the type of thing that you show up to the ballpark with whatever problems you have in your personal life and it kind of melts away when you get in there goofing around with your teammates and get ready to play a baseball game that night. For a living, so obviously players go through issues both on and off the field, whether it's performance-wise or personal life. But um, to my experience, you know, I haven't come across a player that has outwardly let that uh, creep in to either really their performance or either just how they act around the ballpark. I've never really seen a player break down, nothing like that. Um, you know, everyone's usually in good spirits, and uh, they take care of whatever they have to outside of the stadium. But when these guys get to the ballpark, it's usually usually about the game, about business, and just having fun with the other guys. And uh, you always hear from, from players that when you step on the field, you forget about everything else. So it's a good outlet for them. I know there's a relief pitcher up in Toronto that's dealing with some issues like that. But he said, you know, the one time he feels all right is when he's playing baseball. It's when he's not at the ballpark. When, it's when uh, he hasn't been feeling well. So uh, sports, I think, are, are great for that, where they can help people cope and, and get over the struggles that you go through in a day-to-day life. Um, let's see. What else do you want to talk about? Um, 
Do you have any thoughts on the Golden State Warriors winning uh, another title? Uh, I was happy with them as opposed to the Cavs. Um, I was always pessimistic. I was. I thought it'd be a better series. I thought the Cavs were playing tougher, and everyone was, you know, telling me I was crazy. I guess it turned out to be because uh, the Warriors obviously were a much better team. Uh, I'm just saying moving forward, you know, if Carmelo Anthony does end up going to the Cavs, that the NBA should just um, close its doors for a little while and, and try to re-figure out this whole thing because these super teams are terrible for this league. It's awful that it comes down to the same two teams every year. And if the rich just gets richer this offseason with Pamelo or even Rivers and Dwayne Wade, then the league is only going to get worse. And it's essentially useless and pointless until the NBA Finals. Talking to uh, Luke Morrow. Uh, let's see, what else can I throw at you in the waning moments of this podcast? Um, are you eating and sleeping well? Um, as, as well as you can during a baseball season, you don't have a ton of uh, off time. So, unfortunately, when the season's going on, you know, outside of off days, you kind of take what you can in terms of food. You eat what you can. It's usually quick. Maybe not the healthiest. I try to eat the team as much as I can because that's good food. And then same goes, same goes for free. But, you know, we have a, a morning game this week after a night game with 1035 first pitch. So, oh. we have the ballpark late and then have to turn around and come right back in just a few hours later to get ready for the morning. So, uh, sometimes you lack sleep as well, especially on long homestands. But that's all part of the part of the job. So you, you get you get it when you can. Those, Catch up when you can. Those camp games are back. Exactly. Our summer splash camp day is uh, Wednesday. Our second one this summer. So we have two camp days, two education games. So the camp days are obviously for campers. The education games are for school children to come out of their school. So uh, it's a great environment. We had. Uh, about 2,500 campers last week at our game, and the, the kids are ready to every pitch. Do they get to run the bases after? Not on that day. Every Sunday, though, we uh, let kids run the bases after our, our home games um, on Sundays. And finally, this, the question I ask Luke every time he's on the show, because that's what I do, um, have you presided over any weddings lately? <laughs> I have not. I'm told there's going to be one at the ballpark soon in the next couple of weeks, but I have no information on it. I've been trying to weasel my way in to, to do the wedding forum, but I have no idea who it is, when it is, what it is. Um, so I'm still trying to work on that. But Don't no, you think no, they would have found somebody no by now? Recently. Don't you think they would have found somebody by now? I hope not. <laughs> I'll find out who it is and uh, I don't know block their car into their driveway or something. Luke Morrow, voice of the Daytona Tortugas, uh, Stetson basketball and football, uh, friend of mine and co-host of Teeing It Up Presents the Sunday Sprint. Isn't it good to talk to me? It's always the best. You got it, brother. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks to all of you for listening. And next week's Teeing It Up, folks, stay with me, Luke. Next week's Teeing It Up, folks, is a fascinating guest. Uh, you will want to tune in. It is, it is going to... Um, those of you who listen to this every week, and thank you for subscribing and all that good stuff, are going to be very intrigued, especially if you know me personally. I didn't uh, know you booked me two weeks in a row. What? I didn't know you booked me two weeks in a row. <laughs> no, I did not book you two weeks in a row. Uh, yeah, I booked okay. somebody better than you. And he goes silent. 
I know. You're the best guest I could ever ask for, Luke. <laughs> See, there you go. I earned his love back. Um, so that's all for today. We'll see you next week with that intriguing guest. Uh, have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening and teeing it up. On, on, on iTunes, subscribe, rate, review, please. Thanks. See ya.